Totally free. Where did we start with all these weeks ago? We spoke about repentance and the meaning of repentance. We debunked some theories that, you know, people say that you don't need to repent anymore once you've repented once. We spoke about pride and the issue of pride. We've spoken about, you know, how the enemy dwells in darkness and we're going to bring things into the light. You, we've spoken about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, you know. And then um, last week, what did we speak about last week? Breaking strongholds. That when we find ourselves in patterns, it becomes a stronghold. And that can be in our thinking. When someone's been told often enough that you're not good enough, you're good for nothing, you're not going to amount to anything, it can become a stronghold in our mind through, through our two attitudes of our hearts that if we are continually walk in unforgiveness or bitterness, that it becomes a stronghold in our life. And so today we're talking about beware the snare. That's the, the snare of the enemy. And Jen's, uh, Jen's coming next week. She's going to be a part of this whole series that we're in. So look forward to what she brings. So, Father, we want to thank you today. Um, we want to thank you today because you are faithful in every way. And, God, as we gather in this place today, we just bind every spirit and principality and power at work around us. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Lord, we just want ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us. We want eyes to see, God, what you are doing. We, we need hearts to receive. So, Lord, we just um, pray, God, just enlighten our, um, the eyes of our heart afresh, that we would see you, that we would see you. God, we don't want hard hearts. We don't want hearts that just uh, bounce back. God, we need those hearts of flesh that receive from you today. So we thank you, Holy Spirit that you will minister to each and every one of us in this place today, in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus said, this is, this, is, this is where we all started. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Not just free in terms of free from, you know, the, the eternal punishment of sin, death, but free. God, Jesus came to set us free. Free from the things that stop us being who he created us to be. He's redeemed us. And he's transforming us and he wants us to be free from the things from our, you know, from our past and from our life and circumstances that have made us who we are. He wants to free us from those things that we would be who he's created us to be. Amen? We need to... We need to take this. We need to take the Word of God and we need to believe it. It's not just something we read and go, oh, that's nice, and if we don't like it, we throw it out. No, no, we need to begin to stand on the Word more and more. There are so many people that are falling away from the Word of God, but we need to be a people that stand on the Word of God. Amen? So when we read something, we don't just kind of like, oh, yeah. We go, oh, and we apply it. The Holy Spirit speaking to us. Are you spending time in the Word of God? That's a valid question. Because there are so many believers today that don't spend time in the Word of God. Or, the, or they get the little devotion app on their phone and they read a verse and then they... I'm in time in the Word of God. Not just reading a verse and then flipping out the other side because I've got stuff to do but actually just sitting in the Word of God and actually listening. 
you know, one of the things that, you know, the Lord was, was, you know, talking to me about is how can we stand against something if we're carrying it? How can we stand against witchcraft if we're moving in control and manipulation? How can we stand against things if we're actually carrying it? You know, this, um, I was talking to someone the other day, I can't think who it was, too many conversations. But in Psalm 139, you know, um, it says in verse 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, know my concerns, and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Lead me in your way. That's a good prayer to pray. That is a good prayer to pray. God, search me. Know my heart. Test me. Know my concerns. We don't, we don't need to run from God in circumstances. We need to run to Him. You Remember, the fear of the Lord is not a fear from the Lord where we run. But it's a fear of, it's a reverence and it's an awe and it's a respect. We need to come to God. When, we, when we're struggling with stuff, we need to come to Him. Because He's a good Father and He loves us. And He wants to set us free of the things that are trying to bind us. You know, David said in the midst of the revelation that he'd sinned against God, he said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This is not something that we just do once and then that's it. It's a walk with God. When we set the Lord always before us, it's a walk with God that we've got to keep walking through. We have to keep, it's like onion layer, that God's going deeper and deeper. And if we start praying prayers, dangerous prayers like, God, I want to know you more. God, I need more of you in my life. Oh. They're dangerous prayers. When you start, when you start crying out to God, God, I just need you more. I want to be who you've created me to be. I want to walk with you in such a way like Enoch walked with you. He pleased you. I want to walk with you in that way. You go, oh, it's time to get rid of some layers of stuff that's in the way. You know, Jesus said it this way. He said, you know, take the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye. We can all be like that, can't we? Okay, we've got one honest person. It's true though. It's so easy. But he's a good father. And he wants to release us from the things that have held us back. I want to talk about beware the snare in the next part in our series. Because you know what? We have a father who loves us and gave his son for us that we could be truly free. But guess what? We have an enemy that doesn't want us to be free. Do we realize that? We're in war. We're in spiritual war. Deb referred to it before. Rosalind, um, you know, talked about it before as well. You know, from the moment we started Restoration Center, there was a war that broke out. And it manifested in all kinds of ways. And the Lord kept saying to me, Tim, utter not a word. 
you know that's really tough. When all those accusations started flinging and you sit there and go, I want to defend myself. And he said, utter not a word. And I thought about Jesus. <laughs> he uttered not a word. He was so secure in the Father that he didn't have to utter a word. And in fact, what he did say was, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. You know, your heart towards someone starts to change when you start to forgive them and start to pray for them. That was Deb's testimony. Something starts to change when you start to pray for them. That's a good weapon to have. Prayer. But the enemy doesn't want us to be free. He doesn't want us to be free. So he lays snares. He lays traps. And the Greek word for trap is a trick or a strategy. Yes, the enemy has strategies. Have you ever fallen for a ploy of the enemy? Anyone want to be real this morning? We want to be real. Ever fallen for a ploy of the enemy? You know, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, before we get into some of these snares, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says this. Well, let me, verse 14 says, Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Verse 15 says, Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. That's what happens. That's what Scripture says. When bitterness takes root, it doesn't just affect us, it affects other people around us. Is it no wonder that the enemy wants us to become bitter? You know, we, we read in Scripture, we don't want to spend too much time on this, but it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, that Satan's cunning. He's cunning. He's crafty. He's cunning. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, that he's a devourer. It says in John 8, verse 44, he's a liar. It says in verse, uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, that he's an accuser. It says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 14, that he masquerades as an angel of light. You know, we always, we always have to keep praying, God, I need greater discernment. I need greater wisdom. I need to see. Paul said to Timothy, he said in 2 Timothy 2, he says, flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace along with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. Reject foolishness and ignorant disputes because all they do is breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel but be gentle, able to teach, be patient with everybody, instructing. God, perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil. So he's, he's cunning, he's crafty, he's a, he's a liar, he's an accuser, he masquerades as an angel of light, he sets traps for people. Isn't it any wonder that we need to be alert? Jesus said, be alert. 
Be alert. Be alert. The enemy's plan is to, is, is to slowly cause something to lure us in. We've talked about various addictions. We've talked about pornography. We've talked about all kinds of different things. Whatever it is, whether it's kind of that kind of thing, addictions, oh yeah, I can get away with that. I can get away with that. Oh, hang on a minute. All through to bitterness and unforgiveness and stuff. You know, we, he just gradually just draws a sin. The image is, is, is of a frog in a boiling pot. You just gradually turn the heat up before you realise it. That's what the enemy does. We, we read in James chapter 1, verse 13, which says, No one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God, because God is not tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. We need to remind ourselves about that. But each person is tempted, here we go, when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. So there's something in us, it's not God that's tempting us, but there's a circumstance before us that causes something in us to be shown. It causes something that's deep in us to be shown. And the enemy goes, Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to a sin. And when the sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. There's a, there's a procedure, there's a pattern there. Something happens, causes something in our heart to be shown. We start to be enticed, we start to be drawn away and before we know it, we were, we're wondering what, how we got there. Someone here might like cake and you think it's actually, speaking of cake, it's Jeanette's birthday today. Happy birthday, Jeanette. Bless you. Deb's birthday yesterday. Guy likes cake. Something about Guy, if you didn't know, he can have cheesecake at 8 o'clock in the morning. For me, it just makes my tummy feel sick if I have that kind of stuff in that, just like, oh. But he, can, he is a man of cake. You, you might... Someone's happy about that. You might have a cake in your fridge and you think, you know what, it's okay. That cake's okay. I can just take a slice. No one will notice. I'll take a slice. And then someone has another one. And then they go, you know what, that cake was good. I'm going to have another slice of cake. And before you know it, the whole cake's gone. Well, that's what it's like. The enemy wants to try and hook us in with something. He wants to hook us in. So then we go, oh, it's okay, I'll get away with that. It's okay, I can do that. And before we know it, the whole cake is gone. The enemy is a deceiver, a liar, an accuser, a manipulator. And he will attempt to hook us in with anything. And that's why we have to keep saying, God, search me. God, have your way in me. God, I just need to take the plank out of my own eye for a minute. When you behold the Lord, as Joshua was saying, when you behold the Lord and his glory, you begin to reflect his glory. You are transformed from one degree of glory to another, to another, to another. Guess what? We are all on that journey somewhere. We are somewhere on that continuum. We are somewhere. 
We're being changed from glory to glory. You, 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 you're probably not the person you were 12 months ago. Is there anyone here that was the same today that they were 12 months ago? We're being changed. Hearts are being changed. Lives are being changed. Thought patterns are being changed. As you behold the Lord, as you behold Him, as you spend time, and this is what I'm saying, don't just flit through the Word of God, but sit in it. Be that cow that has how many stomachs again? Four. I thought it was like two or three, but there's four stomachs. Be like a cow. Eat it. Chew over it. Read to it. Read to it again. And maybe read to it again. One of the things that I'm doing in my life right now, and this is why I was probably trying to say to people, you know, you don't always have to text me, is to find a bit extra space in my life to sit in my quiet corner and spend time with God. I'm so looking forward to my office, not for the sake that it's bricks and mortar, but to get back into a pattern. Because, you know, one of the churches that I was pastoring many years ago, I had my little chair. I had my little chair in my little corner with my little coffee table. And I used to go in there, I used to drop the boys at school. And I used to go in there and I used to shut the door at 8.30 in the morning and I wouldn't come out till 10 o'clock. And the office lady, because we actually had a full-time office lady at that point in time, she knew that she couldn't disturb me unless it was an absolute urgent matter. The encounters I had with the Lord. Clear out the clutter. Spend some time with the Lord. Can you do that? We live in a society that's just so busy and full and fast-paced. One of the things that we want to see is we want to see everybody do something well. We don't want to see people doing multiple things. We want to see people, you know, just doing their bit as part of the body of Christ. Because it doesn't work well when a hand starts to be a foot or a, or a kidney starts to be a heart. It doesn't work. We just need to do our bit in the whole. Anyway, that's another so Satan has uh, schemes, he has snares, he has traps, he has strategies, and it's time that we wise up to those strategies, amen? In 2 Corinthians, going back to 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 2, uh, where am I, verse 10, it says, Anyone you forgive, I do too. For what I have forgiven, I have, uh, if I have forgiven anything, it is for your benefit in the presence of Christ. This is the thing. So that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his schemes. So there was forgiveness that was being offered so that they may not be taking advantage of. You know what happens when Satan has a hook into us in some form? He starts to take advantage of us. Remember, remember when we talked about you know, um, um, strongholds, but then again, being under the influence is that when people are under the influence, say, of a substance or, or, or of alcohol, they start doing things that are not normal. Some people get really loud. Some people shut down. Some people get really angry. But they start doing things that are not in their normal day-to-day -day nature. But it's the influence of the alcohol or the influence of the substance that has made them do that stuff. And often at the end of it, they often wake up and go, Oh man, I'm so ashamed of what I just did. 
I cannot believe that I did that. It was the influence of the substance. And in the same way, when the enemy influences us, we end up doing stuff that at the end we go, why did I do that? You see, it's a snare of the enemy. It's part of his... So we don't want to be taken advantage of by Satan. Who wants to be taken advantage of by Satan? Anybody? No. I'm glad you didn't put your hand up for that one. And in the midst of that, he just distracts us from what really matters, doesn't he? So what are some of these, what are some of these snares? Man, we haven't got time to go into that today. We'd be here all the time. I'm trying not to do that. One of the snares is fear. He loves to put fear out there. Fear, 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 fear. You know, it's one of the most commanded things in Scripture. Do not fear. 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 It is a strategy of the enemy to bring us into a place of fear because fear stops us from entering into the things of God. That's what it does. It paralyzes us. It tends us to retreat and even run away because of fear. We need to deal with fear because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but has given us power, love, and a sound mind. Is it? Amen. This is where we need to start agreeing with the Word of God. He, that fear is actually not a part of us. We actually need to be renewed in our minds in that sense. You see, some examples in Scripture. Numbers chapter four, uh, 13. You, most of you would know the story. The 12 went out. They spied over the land. You know, they came back and they... And they saw good stuff. They said it was a land flowing with milk and honey. Look at this. I've mentioned it before. Look at the produce of this land. There were so many grapes that they were like, oh. They saw the goodness of God. They saw the promises of God. They saw the stuff before them. And yet fear got in. The cluster of grapes was so big that it had to be carried by two men on a pole. They saw the provision of God. They saw the goodness of God. They saw it. And yet something else was going on. The enemy was laying a snare of fear because they looked at it. They said, oh, but the cities are large and they're very fortified. And the people and the armies there are so big. You see, fear got in. And all of a sudden, they forgot that God said, go and look out the land that I'm giving to you. And they forgot about all the things, all the big things, that they, all the good things that they saw. They forgot about all of that and they said, we can't do it. Except Joshua and Caleb, who said, we can do it. What about in 1 Samuel 17, David and Goliath? He was the army that come out in formation every morning. The army of Israel all coated up an army, you know. Army of who? The army of the, the Lord, the living God. You see, fear got in. And they looked at Goliath and every morning they just were like. How big is your view, view of God? You know... It, says, it actually uses the word that they were in fear or they were afraid. Jesus, walking on the water, coming out, the disciples were in the boat, and it says they were fearful, except Peter, 
who said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Peter experienced something that none of the other disciples experienced because they were trapped in fear. And yet he said, I'm going to come. You see, if you are letting fear dictate to you, you are missing out on stuff that God wants you to experience because fear is dictating to you. And it's time to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I repent. Use that word. I repent of allowing fear to dictate to me. What happened through 2020, 2021, and 2022, and I'm not going to get into that, is that, a, is, is that there was a big spirit of fear that was coming across our nation, and the media was speaking it, and lots of people were speaking it, and people came under it. And people are still in fear. But I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about in any aspect of your life. Is fear dictating to you? Is fear stopping you from sharing a word? Is fear stopping you from, from, from talking to someone about your faith? Is fear stopping you from, from um, believing, like testing God with your giving, knowing, knowing that as you give, that God, that God will give back to you? Whatever it is for you, is fear stopping you? And if it is, you need to say today, God, I repent of allowing fear to dictate to me. I renounce being involved with fear because the Word of God says you have not given me a spirit of fear, but you've given me power, love, and a sound mind. And your Word says that your perfect love casts out all fear. A little bit of fear? All fear. And that's why... I still find myself praying at times, God, I need to know more of your love. Your perfect love. Fear can be a real snare. Another one is pride. We spoke about that a few weeks ago. You know, but pride is a big one. It is a big problem. You know, in Proverbs... Chapter 16, verse 18, it says, Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. The enemy wants to hook us with pride. And pride can be shown in all different kinds of ways. I'm relying upon myself. I'm doing my thing. I won't accept correction. I won't accept discipline. It's all pride. I won't accept thanks. When someone comes to you and says, you know, you just you really bless me when you do that. Oh, no, no, it's all, you know. Pride manifests in all kinds of ways. When we don't reach out to someone for, for help, but we just try and take it on in our own strength. Pride manifests in all kinds of ways. But it is a hook that the enemy wants to get us into. Because if we get hooked in with pride, we, it's all self, 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 self. God opposes the proud. Ooh. Oh, that's a bit of a dangerous place to be in. God opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. His grace is sufficient for us. His power is made perfect in weakness. Is there an amen? I was thinking about Peter and we've, you know, part of Peter's problem, you know, where, you know, um, where we started that um, Jesus said Satan has asked that he would sift you. Pride was Peter's issue. 
all the time. Pride. I'll never, I'll never leave you. I won't deny you, God. I won't do it. He had an issue of pride. I was thinking before, you know, I, I mentioned about David. I mentioned about David when, um, you know, David was known as a man after God's own heart. Amen. But obviously David sinned. And when he was confronted by the prophet Nathan, that's, what, that's why we have Psalm 51. When he recognises that he has sinned, to the extent that he sinned, he comes to a place of repentance. In that moment, he humbled himself. He recognised the sin. He recognised the error of his ways and he, and he humbled himself. You know, there are other kings mentioned in Scripture that started really well as well. Asa, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, talks about a man who walked and he was doing mighty things. He too sinned and the prophet came to him and showed him that he had sinned. But Asa didn't do what David did. David had a soft heart and he repented and he humbled himself before the Lord. But Asa actually had a proud heart. He had a proud heart, an arrogant heart. And you know, when the prophet came to him and he said, the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted. And he said, you have been foolish in this matter, therefore you will now have wars. Well, that was his moment right there to repent. That was his moment to go, in Australian language, I've stuffed up. I can't believe, I can't believe what I've done. God, I repent. I repent of leading the nation this way. I repent of making this treaty. I repent of these things. But you know what it says in Scripture that he did? 2 Chronicles 16, 10. This is, this is sad. Asa was so enraged with the seer that he put him in prison because of his anger. And Asa began to brutally mistreat some of the people. You see the snare? You see the hook? He was in. You see the difference between David and Asa? Was one repented and humbled himself before God and the other one just went, nah. That's a sad story. What about, how are we going? Oh, gee, I've got to go quick. Everything else, there was a lot on today, wasn't there? Offence, unforgiveness. You know, I've already talked about from Hebrews um, chapter 12, that verse about, Bitterness springing up and defiling many. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up causing trouble and defiling many. That's what happens, isn't it? We get offended over something and all of a sudden it's just gone. It's just gone everywhere. The Word of God says, and we, just, we have to keep coming back to the Word. Amen? It says... 
in, in um, Ephesians. It says, do not, uh, chapter 4, verse 30, do not grieve God's Holy Spirit, for you were sealed by him for the day of redemption. So therefore, let all bitterness, anger, rage, shouting, slander be removed from you along with malice and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God forgave you in Christ. It doesn't say there anywhere... In fact, it actually implies the opposite, that stuff will happen from time to time where you're going to have to forgive each other. He actually says, you know, don't grieve the Spirit of God, so therefore get rid of the bitterness and the anger, the wrath, the shouting, the slander. Be removed from you. So there's, there's obviously stuff that goes on. Stuff, stuff, stuff goes on in relationships. Stuff goes on in marriages. No? Okay, we're getting some feedback here. Apparently, stuff goes on in marriages. Stuff goes on, you know, stuff can even go on, go on with best friends and people and, 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 and others. Stuff happens because guess what? Not one of us is walking 100% perfectly in the grace of God or in the Spirit. So he says to them, be kind and compassionate and forgive one another just as God forgave you. Because what happens if we don't forgive? The snares. And all of a sudden we start to walk in unforgiveness. And you know, being a part of prayer ministry for 25 years, one of the things I've learned is the issue is very rarely, if, if ever, the issue. Yes, there's an issue. But there's always another issue. You go back to the other issue. That their parents spoke over them horrible things. Or there was a divorce and the, the dad left and the, the son grew up without a father. Or, you know, there was something that happened in life. There was something that happened and they still haven't forgiven somebody. They still haven't worked through that. The offence attaches to another offence. The unforgiveness attaches to other unforgiveness. And all of a sudden, the enemy is just hooking us in. That's why the Word of God says, forgive. Don't, don't go to bed angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, you know, it says, uh, Bear with one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you. I thought about the parable of the unmerciful servant. I'm really trying to wrap this up really quick because I understand it's later than usual. In Matthew chapter, because my watch is working this week, in Matthew chapter 18, that talks about the one that was forgiven much debt. Yep. But then he went and demanded the debt be paid to him. That is what it's like when we walk in unforgiveness. That Christ has forgiven us and yet we won't forgive a brother or sister. It's a snare of the enemy. Greed and lust. It's a snare of the enemy. One Timothy. Oops. 1 Timothy chapter 6. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation. 
a trap. And many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. If you want to become rich, you're caught in a snare. The corporate world today is all about that. So much is controlled by money. It's all about money. The whole thing is about money. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith. It doesn't say that money is evil. It doesn't say that. And I've heard people go, oh, no, I can't have anything because it's... No, it doesn't say that. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And that's why Jesus has to be the treasure. That's why we need to seek first the kingdom of God. That's the kind of people we need to be. That the things of this world, we just pass them through. We pass them through. We've got a better place. We've got a... We've got a home to go to. To live is Christ and to die is gain. So the things of this world begin to have no hold on us because we are aliens, strangers, passing through to our home that is eternal. And yet we so often just hold on to stuff that doesn't really matter. Greed and lust, these kind of things can be a problem. Especially if you spend enough time in front of the TV or in media because it's pushing stuff on you. Did, do you find that one of the weirdest things is, like if you're watching, like I watched a bit of V8 supercars yesterday afternoon. Sorry, I watched a bit of V8 supercars yesterday afternoon. They were going around in Launceston in Tasmania and it was a top of four degrees. I was like, oh, don't miss that. Anyway, but then they have these ads on for gambling. You know, sports bet and stuff. And then at the end, they have a little screen that says, you know, gambling's bad for you. Like, that's just like hanging something out there and going, yeah, oh, but it's really bad for you. It's like giving alcohol to an alcoholic. It's like giving drugs to a drug addict. It's like giving pornography to a, you know, whatever. Like, it's, and then just put at the end, oh, yeah, it's really bad for you. Like, really? You see, the world actually doesn't really care because the enemy is actually at work. I guess what I'm trying to say is this. What God has been impressing on me is this. That we have to, according to the words of, and music team, you can come. According to the words of Hebrews chapter 12, which we keep going back to, which we keep referring to, we let go of anything that hinders. Let go of anything that hinders you. And the sin that entangles you. So that you can run the race with perseverance marked out, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. It's not just a nice verse. Oh, that's a nice verse, Tim. Thanks for sharing that. It's, it's no, 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 let go of anything that hinders you. Does fear hinder you? Get rid of it. Let go of it. Jesus came to break every chain 
I have seen alcoholics delivered in a moment, drug addicts delivered in a moment, suicide people delivered in a moment, bondages broken in a moment. But you have to let go. Let go of fear. Let go of unbelief. Let go of pride. Let go of unforgiveness. Let go of bitterness and offence. Let go. Jesus paid the price. Let go of greed, the love of money. Let, let go from lust. Let go. I think I shared with you. Did, was last, I don't know. Mine's been a bit muddled the last little bit. The two different alcoholics that I, that I prayed for. Did I share this in the last couple of weeks? One was sick, so sick he couldn't even wear shoes. And when the Lord gave me a word of knowledge that he had this sin, I said, do you want to be set free tonight? And he said, yes. And he meant it. And he was set free that night. He said, I never desired another drop from that night. There was no battle. Not one battle. But the other alcoholic was actually here. Someone came in for prayer. The other one was in Tassie. This one was here. He came in for prayer. Same, same question. Do you want to be set free of it? Yes. I went, okay. Sometimes you discern some things along the journey. And I remember we prayed for this, for this man. And as we prayed for him, because I had a feeling, I said, Lord, that the alcohol would taste foul in his mouth. When he came back a week later, and I said, how have you been going? He said, yeah, I was good for three days, but then I went back to the pub. You see, and he said, but the strangest thing happened, that when I had my first beer, it tasted foul. Well, it was probably more than one. He didn't actually let go. The first guy did. The second guy didn't. That's the difference. And that's the difference with all this. That's the difference with fear. That's the difference with pride. It's the difference with unforgiveness and offence and bitterness. It's, it's the difference with greed. It's a difference. Are you actually letting go or are you kind of... Not really. Let go of anything that hinders you. Why would you want to carry something around that hinders you? Why would you want to carry something that hinders you? Why, why, why would we want to do it? It's because we don't know the goodness of God. We don't know the power of the gospel. We don't know what Jesus has for us, that we're that, that we content with less than. And let go of the sin. Confess it. Repent of it. Jesus came to set you free. He came to forgive you. Stop wandering in the wilderness. Because when we're in... Entrapped in a snare of the enemy, that's exactly what we do. We just wander in the wilderness, wondering why we're not breaking through into the full fullness of God for us. You know the promises of God, they are yes and amen in Christ. Hallelujah. The word is truth. Jesus is truth. And the Holy Spirit is truth. So what are we going to believe? 
He came to set the captives free. And there's a divine exchange and all of joy for mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Give it to God and let God give to you what he has for you. As we sing this last song, I want to say the battle in Bundaberg is real. From the time we landed here, we could feel it in the spirit. The battle for Bundaberg is real. It's not just a figment of our imagination. It's not just some mind game. It's actually real. Because I believe the breakthrough is big. The battle is real because the breakthrough is big. So do we look at it with unbelief or do we look at it with eyes of faith? The enemy doesn't like it that we're doing series on this kind of stuff because he doesn't want to see people set free. Because what happens is that when we're set free, we live for Christ more. We shine His light. We shine His glory in everything, through everything, with everything. We, you are called to be a people of transformation. As you are transformed by the work of the Spirit in your life, you are called to see transformation of others. The street team going out, the hub happening, feeding. Matt's taking the team down to the youth. We're doing that because we believe that Jesus wants to transform Bundaberg. We don't just want to be a pretty nice church that stays within the walls and has our little programs. No, no, no. We want to see transformation of of Bundaberg because we want Jesus to be exalted. Is that your heart? Do you believe that Jesus can transform Bundaberg? Do you believe Jesus can transform Bundaberg? When we say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, you know where it starts? It starts right here. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. So let go of the snares. Repent. Confess. Renounce. God, I don't want that. I don't want anything to do with these snares anymore. I don't want any hooks in my life where the enemy has tried to trap me. I don't want to be part of his tricks. I don't want to be part of that in any way. I want to be a son or a daughter set apart for you. We come back to the goodness of God. The goodness of God. His mercies are new every morning. Even today, if you feel like there's something in your heart, something in your life right now that you need to make right before God, today you can do that right now. You can let go and you can let God. We come back to Jesus. What happened tomorrow is it's gone. It's it's actually gone. And you can't control what tomorrow is going to bring. But you're right here right now. So give it to Jesus. Give it all to Him. Give it all to Him.